0: Welcome to Basketball
1: Buzz, the show that combines three great things, Kentucky basketball, college basketball, and bourbon. I'm one of your three hosts, Arizona Terry. With me is Shay and Michael. Guys, how are you
0: holding up today? Hey, happy Sunday. It's, uh, it's good. I got some NFL on the background. I got some bourbon in my cup. I'm ready to go.
2: I'm uh I'm struggling. I'm having the Sunday scaries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> decided to uh
2: decided to drink too much bullet last night. Then I and the best part, the coolest part was I went on a giant walk. I went on like a three mile walk while I was drunk with my dogs, just around yeah. the neighborhood and Shay? No, I just was like, Oh, we should just keep walking.
1: <laughs> oh god. I'm glad you oh, made wow. home, Shay, so you can record today. This is great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Okay, yeah, so, It was like they needed a walk, so I was like, oh, let's just go. Let's get drunk and go on a walk, but yeah. I haven't done that. I should try that sometime.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, let's let's talk about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> so Big Blue Madness, we got recruiting updates. I'm going to throw that on Shay, even though he's drunk or recovering from being drunk. He's going to do <laughs> a <both>. great job. <laughs> Blue, the Blue White Game, which I really enjoyed. And then, Michael, you're just going to take over and talk about Ken Pong.
0: Oh, your, we love that guy it's your baby,, <laughs> Ooh, yeah,
1: but you know the first thing we're gonna do, we're gonna review some bourbon, yeah, and uh we each have an offering, and we do grade on a bourbon scale, right, one to five mm-hmm. barrels, and we do half barrel ratings, you know, sometimes you got a little half barrel
2: rating, and you know, Shay, do you want to go first since you're you know you're properly buzzed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying to get there? I actually feel like, i I think this is one of those where I'm gonna start feeling better as the show goes on, because I am now drinking bourbon again. But um, yeah, today I'm going to be reviewing the uh, Yellowstone Select. Um, it's a bourbon I believe that we probably reviewed on the show before, but I think Terry reviewed it, uh, and it wasn't me. Um, so I'll give my take on it. So again, it's a straight bourbon from Limestone Branch Distillery. Um, I, I, it's definitely uh, distilled in Kentucky, uh, 93 proof. Um, it says here the mash Mashville is actually undisclosed uh which I didn't know that but um the color is is a yellow gold and it's a really balanced bourbon on the nose you get some toasted oak you know just those traditional uh bourbon flavors caramel vanilla spice um but in the finish i taste a little bit of uh citrus i don't know if you got that terry um i just think it's a very um uh it, it it's a very solid bourbon Um, I don't think it has anything that really stands out to me, but it's definitely not bad by any means. A great zipper, Again, 93 proof. Um, I think this is another bourbon where it's constantly on sale at some place. And so if you can find it at a $40 price range, you definitely pick it up. Um, If it's $50, if it's $60, I'd probably go for something else. Um, Probably something a little bit more affordable that is on par. So I'm going to give it a three and a half. Uh, barrel review. I think it's a great bourbon to sip. Um, don't find anything wrong wrong with it. Um, I think generally everyone is going to enjoy this bourbon.
1: I like that bourbon. It's a it's a great easy sipper. Mm-hmm. Comes in at like a thirty nine ninety nine price yeah. point or a local Safeway. You can find it anywhere. It's just a solid bourbon, and no, I highly recommend it.
0: So Shay, you gave it a three and a half uh, barrels uh terry do you remember when when you reviewed this how many barrels you gave it let me see
2: did we do barrels then oh. uh,
0: we we may not have i, I just i just wonder like everybody's palate is different mm-hmm. um and i just kind of wondered where terry was with that
2: well, well terry why don't you review it right now what 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 would you give it what score would you give it <laughs> i
0: would give it three and a half barrels
1: Oh, hey, right, there we go <laughs> oh <my> god <laughs> You know, what? Right. I, I don't I don't think we did the barrel um, review at that time like that. And Shay came up with that great idea. But no, it's it's a, I think it's a solid rating. It's definitely better than a three because that price point and it's not in the fours.
0: All right. Fair enough. Um, so I'm doing something that I don't normally do, which is sip on bourbon, which is not from the Commonwealth. Um, I I love my Kentucky bourbon, but I did take a trip uh, a couple weeks ago up to uh, the great state of Wisconsin. Can't believe I'm actually saying great state in Wisconsin, same sentence. Uh, The trip didn't suck. I had a good time. Uh, We went there for Julie's uh, college reunion over in Beloit. Shout out to the uh, Beloit Buccaneers. Um, While we were there, I picked up a bottle of J. Henry and Sons Wisconsin straight bourbon. And um yeah, it it is different. Uh the the bottle itself is kind of cool. It's uh ninety uh ninety two proof. Um it comes from an undisclosed Wisconsin distillery and uh it's it's a mutt. Uh it's got a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I normally don't really care for that. It's aged five years, um, so maybe a little bit longer than uh the average three to four year bourbon that we look at. Uh Mashville is uh a little different as well, so it's sixty percent corn, fourteen uh, percent uh, wheat, twelve rye, and uh, barley makes up the rest. But it, the way that they do this is these are are heirloom seeds. So as the story goes, um, these are the same seeds that they've been using for the last sixty years, and the thought process behind that is that uh, by doing so, it will actually enhance the taste and the flavor of the ingredients. I think that's a little kitschy. I'm not necessarily sure that that's what's going on here. Uh, The bourbon itself is all right. Um, On the nose, it's, uh, it's kind of fruity, which I don't mind. Uh, There's some, some green grapes in there, maybe some, some apricots some pear. Uh, Definitely a little bit of honey, which I do like Um, on the palate. um, You know, I, it it's kind of all over the place um you still have the apricot and the fruit uh there's some caramel in there um I can taste the corn which i do like um there's still a a graininess about it uh the finish is uh pretty soft pretty sweet uh overall pretty pleasant i i gotta say um for the price point and this is uh m s r p of fifty four dollars i think i paid fifty nine it it's so so it's average um, I'd probably give it, I'd probably give it three, a three barrel rating. If it was, uh, a little cheaper, if it came in closer to the $40 price point, I can see mixing in an extra half uh barrel. It, it's all right. But you know, what do you expect? You go to Wisconsin, um, you, you don't eat cheese. You don't eat bratwurst. You don't drink beer. This is what's left over. And frankly, uh, the trip was better than the bourbon. So I'll give it three barrels. You don't eat cheese and you don't eat bratwurst. You're healthy, man. You're uh, a healthy man. Yeah, let, let's let's go with that. Uh, I I scream out for all of those calories. I take in none, uh, but I will welcome the sweet sweet calorie of a bourbon any day. Oh, I love the liquid calories for sure.
1: All right, fellas, I will go last, and I am having 1792 bottled in bond. So I think we've probably had $17.92 small batch, all of us, because it's pretty much found everywhere. It's price point is really, I think, fairly inexpensive. Um, This was the first time I've actually had the Baldwin Bond. Um, It is 100 proof. It has a really nice kind of a dark honey color to it. The price is in the 50s. I can't remember exactly how much it was, but it was a little bit more than I was looking to spend, but. I got it anyways because I wanted to try it out. Um, It is distilled by Barton, 1792 distillery. It is a Kentucky straight bourbon. First thing you notice when you take off the the cork, a lot of vanilla, a lot of caramel, spicy rye. Now, the the mash spill is undisclosed, but I can tell you just by drinking it, fairly high rye. I mean, it's probably 20%, 20% or more rye. Uh, Terry likes his rye. So it's, you know, it's that warmth you get from the rye because it's burning you. um, And it's that nice finish. And when you're drinking it, you know, it's really the vanilla and caramel. Definitely around, but that, that rye spice and that oak really kind of takes, takes over when you're sipping. And that finish is the same. It's got that nice finish. You know, I wouldn't say it's super long, but it's definitely beyond a medium. It's a very, very good bourbon. And I've sipped on this a couple times over a week. And I kind of like to do that, you know, try it one day, wait a few days, have another pour, and just kind of get used to it. Definitely a solid bourbon, highly recommend it. Um, Price point wise, it's a little higher than I would want. And I'm going to tell you, I would give this a three and a half barrel review. And if it was in the 40s, this would be a four. Yeah. But it was just a little bit more than I mean, it's a really competitive price point there's a lot of options out there but you know if you're at the liquor store and you haven't had it and you're like "Eh, i want something different give it a shot maybe you could find it around 50 that'd be pretty good but cheers guys
0: cheers
1: Cheers.
2: i i don't know if it's um the same as the kirkland uh 1792 that they have that they did with a collaboration that costco one i did try the the bottle and bond. And I actually really, I don't know if it's the same, but I like the small batch more, okay. Um but I, I do, I did think, I do think it's similar in that it's high rye uh notes in there. But um yeah, I, I think I, I'm wondering if it's the same or not, but we'll, we'll figure that out
1: later. This, this mash bill, I guess is very similar to the, the cheaper Bartons that's available, the Barton bottle and bond, like the 93 proof. And that might be the difference is because this is hundred proof. So, if you tried this and tried the other one, you might see a similarity in that in that Costco version might be very comparable to that as well, so yeah, yeah it's you know I think the small batch um seventy nine nine two was like thirty six bucks that was a really good deal. It's a good sipper, sip away, sip on sipper <laughs> all right, let's transition to the the news, man. Let's start out with the Big Blue Madness. So, you know, I love Big Blue Madness. I don't think the SEC Network does a great job with it. And initially there was some audio issues. I get really pissed off about stuff like that. And I, you know, mean tweet SEC Network. But overall, it's fun. I just hope the recruits enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think it really shows the, the crowd really well or the atmosphere, the noise like it should be. Or maybe it's just not as loud. I don't know. What, what are your guys' takes about
2: Big Blue Madness? So, Terry, before we talk about Big Blue Madness, real quick, I just saw this set in the group chat. Nick Richards played 20 minutes tonight, scored 20 points, eight rebounds, two blocks, didn't miss a shot. And if you remember his last Hornets game, I think he had 20 or 24, and he's coming off the bench, but he's going to start taking Plumlee's minutes, and he might be their starting five moving forward. I never thought – like Nick Richards was scored double digits in an NBA game. That's the most incredible player development that Cal did. It's ridiculous. He's he's so good now. But anyway, I digress. So Sorry about that, guys. No worries. Uh, uh, Big Blue Madness. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was really cool to have a lot of the players back, um, especially during the Cal era. There were a bunch of other players that uh, were there uh, that didn't really get shout outs. Uh, Romel Bradley was there. Joe Crawford was there. So it looks like there was a lot more. Uh, than just Cal era players, um, uh, which is pretty cool. And of course, Madness is is really about the recruits. That's kind of what it's for. Yeah. So, I think I I do agree that it needs to be revamped. It needs to be more exciting. But I also think that there's kind of like a cap on how exciting. It's kind of like the NBA dunk contest and the and the um, and and the, and the three point contest. Like sometimes there's not as exciting events. There's just not that much energy because it's not as competitive. Uh, but I will say, saying all that, I think the recruits had a great time. Um, you know, Jack Pilgrim, our guy, he put out a list, uh, of, of recruits that were there. Like obviously a bunch of commits, uh, DJ was there, Aaron Broadshaw committed on his way to big blue band. Was- Can we talk about that? Yeah, which was which was very <laughs> random. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I just think that's really neat. On the way there, we're getting great news that made the night even better. Yeah. I was like super stoked about it.
2: It was very random. Like he had set a commitment date of November 16th. And then, from what I understand, all the edits guys on Twitter uh, tipped in, they really only found out like 20 minutes beforehand. And I guess he asked them to keep a lot of these edits ready. And um, clearly, I I think I've been saying this whole time that he's a guy that wanted to be at Kentucky the whole time. He wanted to be at UK. Uh, I thought he would commit to UK on the 16th, but looks like, you know, he finally got around to telling his mom, like, look, I'm going to do this and I, I want to do this. And so he just pulled the trigger, which is great with, he's, he's going to be a really great piece. I love his game. Um, I don't think he's number one pick draft type of player that Kentucky thinks he is, but I think he's going to be a solid college player. Uh, he's different than, uh, than a lot of guys that we've had in the past. Uh, he is seven foot, a legit seven foot long, but he plays uh, a kind of an inside-outside game. I don't expect to see a lot of him at the four, but he can play at the four. Um, so that's going to be exciting because he's just improving his range. He's got solid range out to the three-point line. Um, if you have someone to compare him to, he plays a lot like how Olivier Saar should have been used. Okay. Um, that's a really good comparison for him. And, and better defensively. Better defensively. So really, really excited to have him. Uh, but yeah, going back to Madness, again, Justin Edwards was there, Reed Shepard, Ian Jackson, Carter Knox, Ace Bailey. I don't think he made it. Um, Travis Perry was there. And then Jasper Johnson was supposed to be there. Didn't make it. Darren Peterson wasn't there. But I think we had a good group of recruits. um, And, I I mean, I think it worked out. And I think DJ is probably on the way. Michael, have you ever been to Big Blue Madness?
0: Yeah. So when I was a student there, uh, gosh, way, way back in the day, um, I've been three times. It it actually was was kind of fun back then, and I think the fun back then in the early '90s was because it was still somewhat of a novelty. I mean, it had only been around for eight or ten years. Um, and you know, we 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 look at, and I, I Shay, I, I think it was you that made the comparison to like the slam dunk contest. Like, I, I think some of those events they get a little stale over the years. Because there's just a sense that everything that's been done, that can be done, has been done. That may or may not be true, but I think there's a sense of that. That coupled with the idea that, um, you know, the players don't want to get injured. The coaching staff doesn't want to be responsible for players on the court doing silly things. Uh, just because the, as fans, we want to see all those kinds of things. And then injuries taking place as a result of that. Like, th- there's just, there's only so many things that can be done. but yeah. Like when, when I was there, it, it was, uh, you know, it was the, the Rick Pitino days where, you know, we were getting uh, pizzas when we lined up as students and we were there for two days. Um, it, it was just, it was wacky. It was absolutely wacky. And I still love the concept, uh, whether you do it at RUP, whether you do it at Memorial Coliseum. Um, and I think there's something special about being able to do it at the Coliseum when you're actually there on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it, it, it still is fun to watch because for for most of us, most seasons, um, Bahamas notwithstanding this year, of course, this is the first chance that we actually get to see these players in a Kentucky uniform doing something, doing anything. And as a fan, I, I mean, I salivate for that. We, we look forward to that. We circle the calendar every year for that. Um, but my takeaway from that event was, yeah, um, nobody else got hurt. And we're going to do some good things the next time, whatever that next time is. I, I just, I wonder how long that event is going to be around yeah. in the same format that we see it today.
1: I I think as long as the recruits like it, I'm okay. But for fans, I think the only way to really make it like an, a, a cool event every year is to have some kind of an act there, have a Drake there, someone like that magnitude. What do you think, Shay? You think that would be the thing that would get people super stoked yeah, and get definitely, rowdy?
2: Definitely. Or like a change of location might help. Um, okay. Yeah. I just, I don't know. There's just an upper limit on how like exciting it can be uh, if there isn't like a legit scrimmage, maybe combining the blue light game and, Mid- and big blue madness. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Yeah. It definitely has lost its appeal, but I think that probably goes for other schools as well. Um, sure. Yeah, so it's it's not like problem independent to Kentucky. I think we just pay attention to to Kentucky's one. I would say the Duke's event was pretty cool, but they did scrimmage hard. Not like okay. it wasn't like a you know what it's kind of become under Cal where he probably tells them don't go hard out there. We don't want you to get injured. Duke really had like a blue white like a type of situation going on, and um, they have a smaller arena. Like Cameron Indoor is much smaller. It gets much rowdier. It's, yeah, it's a lot harder to do that in Rupp. Um, just because of the size. Yeah.
1: I think you guys are onto something. I do think like slam dunk contests and all that kind of stuff's kind of, we've been there, done that. Maybe have like a blue-white game scrimmage at Big Blue Madness to kind of get the people more involved yeah. into it. Half-court
2: shot contest or something. I don't know. Uh, so something to be something that's extremely competitive uh, that kind of brings the fans into it so that they're rooting for either the blue team or the white team. I don't know. Something like that will be will be cool to see. Um, kind of like how the uh, the game kind of ended, the blue white game kind of ended, where it was they were very close. Um, yeah, so I, I those kind of my ideas. I, I don't know if that's a perfect fix, but just just some ideas.
1: Yeah, there's definitely something that needs to be uh updated with that. You know, let's let's roll back into some recruiting stuff. And you were talking about Bradshaw. Let's kind of revisit that and talk more about him as a recruit. I mean, I'm hearing I mean, what ESPN has him as a top five recruit for the 2023 class. Legit seven footer. Lot. I mean, he has a lot of upside, right? Some people are talking about him being a number one overhaul draft pick. You're you're not down with that. I don't know about that either.
2: I think. I mean, if he plays to the, if he somehow just develops at a rate that's rapid, and uh, you know, just shows ability to dribble and pull up from three everywhere, then possibly. I don't think that will actually happen. I don't think he'll get to show that at UK. That doesn't mean that he's a bad player. Um but he's definitely one of the top 10 players in his class, no doubt. Um I would like to see Cal use him in kind of a stretch role here and there, not just park him in the paint. Um he's not really great at the post, but he is great facing up and and putting the ball on the floor at his height. Um he needs to gain some weight. He's pretty skinny at this point, but he He's skinny, but he doesn't have a aversion a to banging. If that makes sense, kind of like Justin Edwards. Justin Edwards is another kid that's super skinny, but but will he will he will bang in the post if he has to. He's not afraid of contact, uh, and and he's just a menace on, on blocking shots. Like between Kingsley uh, and and Bradshaw next year, like no one is scoring on Kentucky in the post. <laughs> like no one. Uh, like he's he's a fantastic shot blocker. It, the only shot blocker in high school that was better than Aaron Bradshaw was Kingsley, was Uganda Kingsley. If that yep. makes sense. So, um,
1: who's awesome
0: at blocking shots? Yes, yes.
1: So our uh, class—I mean, we're one more piece away from having the top class next
0: year. Who—who's that piece?
1: I don't know. Maybe Shay and you guys could talk about it. I have no idea. I mean, I don't. Know, I,
2: maybe maybe a kid whose dad played for Cal. Perhaps. Well, <laughs> really? That You're be a kid a novelty. This <laughs> is new to <laughs> Did you me. Tell? Very kid like that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think it's just a really a matter of time until DJ commits to Kentucky. Um, Louisville's kind of thrown in the towel. Uh, he didn't make it to Louisville live. They put all their baskets in for AJ Johnson, which is also a guy Kentucky could have got if they pushed harder. There's some things in, in you know, there's some background things of why they decided not to pursue him. Nothing with, to do with the kid. The kid's fine. It's just I think they just didn't want to deal with the circle. Um, just because they were kind of wishy washy, uh, the same circle was with Jalen Green, so that might be a, a reason why um, they were getting mixed signals. And they're like, you know what? No, thanks. If we if we fall, if our main options fall through, then maybe we'll give you a call. Um, I don't even think he goes to Louisville. Actually, Louisville's like really high on him, but I think he goes pro. To be honest, just I think he's very close to his brother Jalen Green. They call he calls him his brother. I don't know if they're actually related, but they're very very close, and he's probably going to do exactly what Jalen Green did. A uh, very similar player too. So um sorry Louisville. uh and then uh we had the other guys we had that are uncommitted are uh ian jackson who is one of my favorite players probably the top player in the 2024 class um he is like we mentioned before he is just like um a good comparison for him would be like terrence clark but more explosive um he is also from that uh new york area so he's very close with Orlando Antigua. Orlando Antigua's been recruiting him for a long time. And um our guy, uh rare rookies in, in the group chat. I don't know if you saw that what he posted, I, I saw it. Yeah, that was that was really telling. I think uh, he's um I think it's uh, a, a big thing because he seems very tight with uh Hamadou Diallo and And uh, Lamb. And if if you don't know, Hamad Diallo has been working the recruiting scene for Kentucky and singing Kentucky's praises in in the background, which is amazing. So that's that's super cool. And I I would say that it's Kentucky's recruitment to lose. Um, the one thing to watch out for is if he reclassifies to 2023, um, he's a little old for his age. Uh, if if he classifies to 2023, North Carolina might be a competitor for his services. But I think he would he's a Kentucky he's a Kentucky type player. Uh if he goes to North Carolina, I think he might get stuck. Just because they just tend to like, you know, not start freshmen at North Carolina. And he's definitely a guy that's looking to go to the league and needs to go to the league as fast as possible. Um, I think if he goes to 2023, you take him and you just have to deal with it. And somebody's gonna get, lose minutes, someone's gonna transfer, but you can't say no to Ian Jackson. Uh I think if he stays before, he's a catch.
1: I definitely like this class because Bradshaw's from Camden, you know, if, if Jackson did reclass, he's from the Bronx, <laughs> you know, you got Wagner Jersey as well. Right. You got yeah, okay. um, Justin Edwards from Philly. Right. Yep. I, I see a trend here.
2: Yeah. Orlando Antigua's back. But he was back and Cal is really working that, that Philadelphia area. That's where he's from. Uh, he's from Pittsburgh actually, but yeah. that, um, that just that area is, Cal's bread and butter. Um, actually, sorry, guys. equal one hundred percent. I got some stuff in the background. <laughs> My bad. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah. Um, it, it, recruiting's looking really good. Uh, that's that's what I can say. Uh, the next guy I want to actually talk about is um, Carter Knox, which is Kevin Knox's little brother. Dick, and, did Cal say
1: something during an interview or he kind of let something come out? You know, no, like...
2: he, he, that was about DJ. He said that. Uh, okay. He said that I got another kid. Whose dad played for me that might commit soon, or that might be coming here too. And so he was hitting at it. Um yeah. But Car- Carter Knox is a fantastic player. Um, I don't know if you guys watched him. I watched him at FIBA, uh, where he played with DJ. He is kind of similar to one of um PJ's teammates. Or sorry, uh Kevin's teammates, PJ. He's very similar to PJ Washington. If you watch him play, he he he's listed as like a guard forward, but he's really gonna become a small ball for with uh, inside outside skills, got a, got a solid college ready body. Um, it's really going to come down to uh, UK L battle for him as well. Uh, his family is very, very close with um, Kenny Payne. Uh, Kevin Knox contribute, like attributes a lot of his success to Kenny Payne. Remember Knox was in New York when Kenny Payne was a uh, assistant coach there. So yep. um, they have a very close relationship. Uh, so I would, I would say that maybe, you know, Louisville might be, competitor for his services but keep in mind I think he's on the I think he's on the the Nike circuit in the EYBL I'm not sure but that might be something to watch out for and then just like uh, Kevin uh, I think uh, the third school there probably might be uh, Florida State because if you don't know Kevin's parents that's right uh, Carter's parents are are Florida State alums so
1: they're they're Knowles.
2: yeah so that would probably be the third school but I think if Kentucky really wants him they'll get him.
1: I just feel like the next two, three years that Kentucky basketball is just be dominant in recruiting. And like yeah, I don't know, I, mean, how, I, I don't know how long Kyle's gonna be here, but he's going to go out on top with the best classes on his Yeah, way. I mean he
2: he he you're you're probably seeing the efforts of the new staff now. I think that might be one of the things that you know when Antigua showed up, you can't really expect him to turn it around overnight. He needed to leverage the connections that he had. And so you're really seeing it. And I remember for the longest time, Kentucky could not get a, a top-ranked center to commit, we we would just whiff on everybody like Jalen Duran, Derek Lively, Adam Bona. It was just a nightmare of just guys that would refuse to commit to UK. And now we got Aaron Bradshaw, and we're not talking about the fact that he's the top center in the class, pretty much, uh, or one of the top centers in the class. He's a huge get. He's a five-star center. Um, you know, I think we've been a, a little bit spoiled, and we got to remember that maybe that streak of bad luck is finally ending. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think it is overall. I mean, when you look at next year's class, uh, Kentucky has Edwards, uh, who is number two overall. Dillingham, eight overall. We've been talking about Bradshaw, five overall. Reed Shepard right now, I think, is somewhere in the mid-20s. And if you add uh, DJ, who's number one to that class, I, I think we overtake Duke. I, th-
2: I think we already overtake Duke, to be honest. I do, too.
0: I do, yeah. too. I mean, well, I- let's make it official,
2: though. Yeah, I mean, it's official. I, I, <laughs> nice done, Terry. Thanks. I'm trying to. I'm obviously a little biased, but I I do think that Kentucky's class, when it comes to quality and top end talent, is better than Duke's class. Um, I think Justin Edwards is better than any any commit that they have, and I'm not sold on uh, on Mackenzie Mbako. I just think he, he doesn't really do anything that jumps out at you. He's kind of a very just solid player. Uh Sean Stewart is really good for them. Uh and then Ty- Tyrese Proctor, I think Proctor, the guy that they had re- uh reclass, he's, he's fantastic. Good. He's really yeah, good. Yeah. He's gonna be the best out of the bunch, uh, yeah. to be honest. Um, I would be like I I I wouldn't be surprised if you know he they put him into the starting lineup at by season's end. Uh, you know, Jeremy Roach is their point guard who's like a senior, been at Duke forever, but really doesn't have that high-end ceiling that that Procter might have. So um, I I mean I like I like Kentucky's class. Their Kentucky's class is gonna be better. I mean, Dillingham, we didn't even talk about Dillingham. Dilling, do you see those highlight package of Dillingham? Dude. Wow. Yes.
1: Well, it's you, scaring me because I'm like, is is he coming? Is he gonna really come here? Is he gonna is he gonna be a cat? Or is he gonna listen to G League stuff?
2: Yeah, I, I mean I think he's gonna listen to the G League. Everyone's expecting him to be a cat, but no one knows that he's not gonna be one right now. I mean, I we're just joking around about that. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just that he had a kind of a mess of a recruitment before he committed to Kentucky, and so you really never know with him. like he was supposed to commit to Kentucky, and then the day of his like, commitment, he just all of a sudden switched to n c state. It was very, very random. Um, and then <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> he's like my wife ordering from a menu, when you
1: when you guys hang out with my wife, you'll see <laughs> this this woman cannot order from a menu without changing her mind like yeah. five times. It's yeah. like, we'll let Lori go last. And we're going to go to the restroom or something because by the time you come back, yeah. she might figure it out. She just changes her mind. She's like Rob Dilley yeah. right there.
2: Yeah. I I, I, <laughs> I wonder though, with him, I think it's also that he just doesn't seem like a Cal type of player. Like he just is so, and it's great. He's out there and he's like the way he plays is just so nuts that he's you, going to throw <laughs> some shit up there. Cal's <laughs> yeah, like, going to lose his mind. <laughs> you just cannot imagine like him playing under Cal, who is like one of the most how do I say like conservative basketball minds? It seems like (laughs) discipline. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Discipline. That's the spin.
2: Yeah. Like I very rarely ever see Kentucky take a bad shot in the game. Yeah. And it's, it's a good thing. I'm sure as a coach, you're happy, but it's also like, as a fan, you're kind of like, Oh, I want to see some, like, I want to see maybe like throw up, throw some up or, you know, like 30 footer. Yeah. You know, let your players play a little bit freer. Uh, yeah. You know, don't, don't put them in such a box because Dillingham's like an AI type of player. You can't put him. I'm not saying he's gonna be that good. I'm just saying that he's got, he's got some of those same type of moves. Um, I don't think you can put Dillingham in the box. Like t- the best version of Dillingham needs to just be free. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out. I, I'm, I'm legitimately afraid Cal might have an aneurysm, like the first practice. With <laughs> it's like having
1: Trey young on the roster at Kentucky. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, thought, yeah. I thought Cal yeah. would have a, you know, cardiac arrest right there. Dude. Oh yeah. yeah.
2: And this is, this is how, I mean, it worked out for us. I think Shagos Alexander was the better option for us. Oh. Uh, but Trey Young's dad was like, or what's his name? Who was who we talking about Trey Young. Yeah. His dad was like demanding a number of shots and Cal was like, yeah, no, <laughs> we're not, we don't do that here. I
1: love that. I love that. Cause I was like, fuck that. We're not doing that shit here, boy. Yeah. Go somewhere else.
2: Yeah. And so it worked out for him. Like he needed to go somewhere where he could just put up a ton of shots. And he uh, did. May, maybe Dillingham knows that like, maybe the best version of Dillingham in the league needs to be like reined in and coached a bit better. And maybe that's why he wants to come to Kentucky. Refine it, refine uh, it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Instead of just going to another school and just being able to do whatever you want to do, but then having all your weaknesses, very glaring. Um, he plays a little out of the control sometimes, but man, he does things on the court that no one else can do. <laughs> I'm like, wow, bring bring him here,
1: throw some slop up, we'll finish it up at the rim with a dunk, man. Just let let him go.
2: Like the last player, I think that reminds me, like, not reminds me of him, but like that just was doing things that were you were like, what is De'Aaron Fox? Like Fox would just do stuff in the game. You're like, I don't, I don't, even, I don't think anyone else in college basketball could do this. Like I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Dillingham reminds me a lot of Darius Garland, if you remember him. I talk about
1: spoiled having Fox and Monk on the team, guys. Oh wow. That was pretty crazy, wasn't it?
2: I mean, I don't I don't I don't think that DJ and and Dillingham are gonna be that good. But the rest of the team might be equal like better than what we had back then. But man, that was the most exciting year of Kentucky basketball. Like on the court, the on court product that year was like the best the the most beautiful basketball I've ever seen in my entire life.
1: You want to talk about exciting Kentucky basketball? How about that blue-white game in Pikeville, oh, yeah. Kentucky?
2: Dude, oh, yeah. I did not expect that. A dude the is him. What do, what do you Can, think, Michael? What, what yeah. the hell happened in Pikeville?
0: Well, let, let's let's talk about that. First of all, uh, the, the team raises 162000 plus for flood relief victims in eastern Kentucky. It's fantastic. Um, we, we all heard Coach Cal talking about it. This was something that the team wanted to do, team idea, team driven, and that speaks to the character of the team, and that speaks to the leadership in Cal's position and the staff that they continue to instill those values in these young men that come to the program. So as, as a Kentuckian, it made me proud. Um, I, I loved hearing uh, Cameron Mills on the call. That was a lot of fun. I d- didn't expect that. Uh, the governor stops by, makes some comments. That was fantastic. Um, but like g- getting to the, the play itself, what guys, what what are we going to do with the dude? We, we've got a problem here. And the problem is there's one ball and there's only five guys that can be on the court at the same time. We've got a minutes problem. A- and this is going to be very apparent early on in the season. We have a minutes problem. And as much, As I think we all recognize that toward the end of the season, we're looking at typically best case scenario is you have a solid rotation of seven, maybe eight players. We saw that with Kansas last year. We saw that with North Carolina last year. That works. That's been the key for a lot of teams, especially Blue Bloods. You find that core that can play seven to eight deep and you call it good. Um, I'm not I'm not saying that this is a platoon type team. Because I don't think at the moment you have 10 that necessarily would be all equal out there. But I think it's going to be difficult to to find guys that are happy and satisfied playing 8, 10, 12 minutes a game. And some of these guys initially are going to be playing 8, 10, 12 minutes a game. I don't see any way around that. This is going to be a challenge for Cal. We talk about Cal maybe not being the best X's and O's coach. But the thing that he seems to do at the highest level year in and year out, almost without exception, is to take the attitude of the incoming freshman and to melt it in with the team. Well, part of that is that freshman's got to know, I I have some minutes, but there are no guaranteed minutes. We talked about that. There are no guaranteed minutes. And with this team, they are so freaking deep. How's it going to work? I'm flabbergasted. I don't understand how it's going to work.
2: I mean, I th- Go ahead, Shay. I think the guy that's going to suffer is uh, Chris Livingston, it feels like, because Reeves is our guy getting buckets. CJ plays a role. You need him to stretch the defense. A dude that does so many things on the court that you just can't keep him off of it. It feels like there's five of them out there. Like He, he if was he's everywhere. Not, if he's not scoring, he's rebounded. He's passing. He's playing defense. Chris Livingston is still, I think, trying to figure out his role. And I think when he's not scoring, I'm like, what are you doing? What, what are you doing right now? And so uh, I think you got to play a duo over him. Like I am shocked that this kid, can you, how do they
1: they find this kid in the Quaker Valley part of whatever, Pennsylvania?
2: It's Crazy. I watched a few of his high school games and I just came away really impressed. Like this kid is really solid. Like, he didn't do anything. He just made the right basketball play over, over and over and over and over again. And um, he was fantastic in transition. He could handle the ball. Um, I saw his vertical leap was, like, 41 inches. He doesn't even seem that athletic. And uh, he's got yeah. a college-ready body. Like, he's 6'6", 200. He looks like he's 14, like, in the face. He's a big boy. He's and, a big boy. He's pretty big. Yeah. he's a, He's, like, he's filled out. He doesn't look like a freshman other than – him looking 14 <laughs> and uh oh, he's such a good player like i i just I, I, it's crazy how like chris livingston at one point he's going to be fine but he was considered one of the, probably the best player in the class at one point he was number 1 and adu tiero is this unranked kid or like a three star kid um and just because he didn't play travel basketball he did not play in the EYBL he did play the, he he didn't play a exactly. u basketball uh and he was injured that's why and um that's kind of why his ranking suffered but he led his team to the uh, state finals against uh, Newman-Gretti, which is a quad team, and they lost, but he's a winner. He makes basketball Dude, plays. Dude,
0: he,
1: he yeah. looked the part during the game, did he not?
0: Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He absolutely did, and, and Shay, you bring up a good point. So wh- what is it that Chris Livingston does better than anybody else? Because I, I, I'm not sure what the answer to that question is, and I'm not sure if we have an answer to that question yet, and I, I think you may be right until – Until he can answer that question in something, in an affirmative way, um, I think he he may be the one to suffer ultimately here with a lack of minutes.
2: Yeah, he just doesn't look like he's playing very aggressively. I'm not saying he's playing bad, but he he looks like he's still a little lost as to what his role is, and he's trying to figure that out. And So I hope he he figures it out, Uh, and I'm sure he will. It'll just take some time.
1: I I do look like his dad spoke to him before the blue-white game and said, Son here's your moment be it's aggressive <laughs> be yep. aggressive, be aggressive, and he was from the get go I mean even the announcers were like, "Dude, what is up
2: with this kid oh man he was it was just like smart play, hard play, hustle play, like just a coach's dream like I bet like this is exactly what a coach wants like he's on the floor, he's playing defense he's in the passing lanes he's he's getting <laughs> rebounds and putting the rebound back up like. <laughs>
0: Just
2: I know. Do <laughs> it it I know. was like
0: there was more than one of him on the court at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. W- with, the, with the exception of uh, you know, late toward the end of the game with uh, a couple of mistakes, a couple of miscues he made, like I, I, he seems to be the kind of kid that is really fun to root for. Because at least at this point, in my mind, he's still kind of the underdog. Yes. And y- y- you see that underdog mentality out there. He doesn't want to leave the court. And, you know, when we're all playing pickup ball, ball, what's what's the way to, to stay on the court? You win. Yeah. And what's the way to win? You do everything. Uh-huh. If a pass needs to be made, you make it. If, if there's a rebound to get, you get it. If there's points to be had, you score him. He was able to do everything. And I, I think he kind of came as a surprise, maybe even a shock to a lot of people. Uh, I, I didn't expect that. And I think he's going to uh, force Cal's
2: hand. A yeah. little bit. If he keeps and, playing this way, he's going to force Cal's hand. And, and you know his initial offer. I don't know if you guys know this, but his initial offer was done as a favor.
1: Like, I know.
2: The, yeah, former player, blows right? Blows the yeah. line. He he didn't even have a committable <laughs> offer. They, 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 <laughs> and, 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 and if you saw like Kentucky offered him, and then all these schools like right the next week, like Iowa, like all the other schools just like offered him right after that because like, oh, Kentucky thinks <laughs> he's good. He must be good. And, and then and then it worked. But then he wanted to be at Kentucky from the beginning. And I think, I don't know. I think Coach Coach Cal went to go see one of his games. And Coach Cal was like, I've seen enough. Just like me yesterday. I've seen enough. I'll do his hand yeah. 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 Like, yeah. yeah. I've seen enough. Yeah, I've seen enough. You know Come what's funny? Yeah. He's
1: like 6'6, six, 6'7. Six, six, his growth plates have not closed.
2: Oh yeah. I'm kind of a I'm kind of afraid of like a six. Nine. He can he might be a power forward next year. Like, <laughs> I like, like I, <laughs> I, he's just such a great player to watch cuz he's just getting after it and he also seems like a really easy kid to root for cuz yes. he uh he, he comes from a great family um he, i was listening to a, the inside kentucky basketball podcast and they were interviewing him and he he was talking about going back to i think it was mali uh or africa basically where his dad and hmm. his mom are from and um he just came across as just someone really easy to root for just a really nice respectful kid and i i i can't wait to see him I can't wait to see him go to the lead. Like, that's Dude, how good he is. Yeah. Dude, I
1: enjoy the blue-white game. We didn't have Oscar playing. We didn't have Wheeler play. We didn't have Lance Ware play. We got to see these other guys play. And I'm like, our roster is amazing. I, I think we have something special. I think it's going to be a really great year. And, and Shay, who won, the Blues or the Whites? <laughs> with, the whites are ahead right
2: is that what now just kept saying <laughs> i think a lot of people were like with the Appalachia accent like please stop saying that please say the white team <laughs>
0: oh, that was so
1: funny oh god all right
2: was it just, was it just me was it just me that no was that? it wasn't me no, i noticed it, it i was, was like not.
1: no i covered my mouth and did the omg <laughs> thing oh my yeah. god but and, sometimes and I, sometimes you'd make a mistake in life
2: I, you got to say it properly though you got to say the what's
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> just say church and the skins and just go on with it. Yeah, oh, there you go. I'm glad that we
2: can joke about it though. It, it's I funny. Know. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: All right, we talked about a lot of things, but tonight this is the most important topic of the night. It's Ken Palm.
2: Nice. And, oh. th- and
1: this is Michael Simmons' baby. He would. He nestles it. He cradles it. He thinks about Ken Palm pretty much daily. I would imagine. He's a numbers guy. And this is your baby. Take over, man.
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, sadly, I I do think about Ken Palm day and night. I I eat it. I sleep it. uh, I drink it. I smoke it. If there's something to be done with Ken Palm, I I think I do it. Um, So I I know that not everybody is um, as fixated on numbers as I am. I, I totally get that. And let me say off the start that Ken Palm can be but probably shouldn't be used as a great indicator of uh, a betting line uh, don't, don't don't use Kim pom for that you you can uh, he's he's somewhat accurate, but the thing that I love about uh, Kim Pomeroy is his approach to college basketball because it does come out of numbers and there's a, a pretty clear reason for that. Uh, he actually has a degree in civil engineering from Virginia Tech University. I mean, the the, the guy's a smart guy. Um, he's also been, um, uh, I guess, a, a weather forecaster. He worked for a while for the National Weather Service. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that begs the question, which is more accurate, his Ken Palm ratings or his, you know, seven day forecast? I, I'm not sure. But. The guy does know what he's talking about. He's been doing this for a while. Um, the site, KenPom.com, uh, that's K-E-N-P-O-M.com, was actually launched in 2004. You can get an annual subscription to it for 19.95. dollars um, 95 I think mine runs through another couple of weeks, and then I, I re-up, and I'm hoping it's still just $20. bucks. There is a wealth of information there, probably too much information. At the start of the season, there's not as much there, obviously, because um, we don't have real games yet. But after game one, um, go there, hit up the site, find all the good stuff there. It, it, it's actually a fascinating story. So um, I, I don't know, guys, do you remember um, uh, Billy Bean uh, from the Oakland A's? Sabermetrics. I do. Yes, uh, sir. Yeah, sabermetrics. So Billy Bean got the idea to do what he did um, by. Paul Della right? right? That was the GM? Yes, actually, yeah, yeah for, for the Cleveland Browns. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, um, and, you know, we can talk about Moneyball, which is uh, kind of fun to talk about as well. But uh, the idea came from um, a, a baseball abstract. And the baseball abstract was kind of a big deal when I was a kid. Um, you had all the numbers, all the math, and it was really fun, but Bill James uh, was the guy that puts together all this information, the Bill James Baseball Abstract, and uh, Billy Bean caught on to that, and eventually so did Ken Pomeroy. So this actually has its foundation in something that happened several decades ago, and it's kind of morphed over time. Uh, Ken Palm has added um, new stats, new stuff. Um, Today, he's got Um, uh, efficiency margin on offense and defense, adjusted tempo, which is one of the things that I love to look at to see what's the pace of of the game going to be like. If we play Alabama or Gonzaga, that pace is going to be really high. Uh, There are other teams we play when it's a lower pace. Uh, Those are kind of fun things to consider before you uh, go into viewing a game. But uh, Kentucky actually starts off to kind of take this full circle. Kentucky actually starts off the year ranked number four in the uh, Associated Press poll, but they're ranked number one in the Ken Pom poll. And um, I honestly don't know how Ken Pomeroy does that at the start of the year without uh, live stats. So some of this is obviously based on last year and returning players. Yeah. But um, what I think is really impressive here is um, I look at adjusted offense and adjusted defense and Kentucky has the number two adjusted offense going into the 2022 2023 season, um, which you may expect. I mean, we've got the national player of the year and Oscar Shiboy coming back. We've got all kinds of parts and pieces we've got experience. We can score from anywhere on the court. We have three point shooters now like that's kind of a given that we're going to be good on offense. And Kentucky checks in at number two with the adjusted offense. But this is where it matters, at least to me, guys. If if you had to take a shot for every time you heard me say defense wins championships, you'd both have to be rushed to the ER right now with alcohol poisoning.
2: (laughs) Might have to do that anyway. I I might. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You
0: just walked right into that. Oh, line of the night. I love it. I love it. So, uh, Kentucky uh, starts the year ranked number three in adjusted defense. And I I think Kentucky's going to stay in the top 10, top 12 in defense most of the year. Why is that important? Uh, I mean, defensively, you know, defense is important for all the reasons why you think that it is. But from a Kenpom perspective, when we look at 19 out of the last 21 NCAA champions, they've had one thing in common. They've all been ranked. 19 out of the 21, top, 20, top right? 20 in offense, top 20 in defense. defense. So you can't have a team that's so offensive heavy. Thank you. That you're going to, you know, maybe you win 30, 35 games, but it's hard to win a championship that way. Like when we talk about Gonzaga, uh, they're currently ranked number two in Ken Palm. Uh, they have the number one adjusted offense, which, again, we probably can expect with, with uh, Drew Timmy coming back and, and others but their adjusted defense score is only 26. Hmm. So they don't really have the defense at the moment. Now, these numbers uh, fluctuate. They go up, they go down with every game that that the team plays and also with every game that every other team plays um, because you also have rankings that are based on your strength of schedule, um, which is kind of cool, and your opponent's strength of schedule. So you can smash a bunch of numbers in, and you can get to a point where Ken Palm is again. Is it perfect? No. Is it um, the best predictive measure? Not not necessarily. But um, I do feel like overall, if you're looking at a numbers perspective, Ken Palm is going to provide you with so much more value. They'll also break down. They haven't yet because again, no games. But they'll break down um, a list of individual players and. They'll go uh, lineup by lineup, team by team. So you can see these five guys have played for Kentucky X amount of minutes. They started X amount of games. Uh, What does that lineup look like versus something else? Right. And later in the season, especially as matchups matter more and you have to deal with injuries and things like that, people being uh, in or out of the rotation, seeing Um, the the five guys that are in there at the same time and how they may match up to uh, a five from Florida or a five from Vanderbilt or whomever, uh, that can take shape as well. So I think there's just a tremendous amount of value in using Ken Palm. And if anybody cares, um, what does Ken Palm say about Kentucky season? Uh So there's there's two ways to look at this. You you can go game by game. And at some point, I, I hope that we will kind of break things down if not from Ken Palm, just in general, game by game, Um, Ken Palm says Kentucky has uh, only a 44% chance of beating Gonzaga Hmm. and only a 45% chance of beating Tennessee on the road. Those Hmm. are the only two straight-up L games. Those are the only two straight-up losses. I'm cool with it. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think I would be too. A, A loss here is defined as when your win probability is under 50%. Now, the way the math works, though, is it's not just a game by game so the projected season record for kentucky through ken palm is 25 up and six down 14 and four in the sec so there are definitely a handful of games that ken palm says can kind of go either way okay and um sometimes they go in kentucky's favor and sometimes they don't but i think we'd all agree a 25 and six season uh probably is going to yield some pretty good results come March. So overall, I'm happy with where the cats start on Ken Palm. Yeah. And um, I just, I I love, I love these stats to death. And I hope that anybody that is a fan of the math pony up the 20 bucks, hit up Ken Palm for a year. You won't be sorry. I actually do subscribe to it. I look at it, but I actually
1: lean on you to talk (laughs) more about it. Cause I am not good at math
2: and I'm not a numbers guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll look into getting it, uh, but you're right. Like defense winning championships, like sometimes offense just doesn't show up. Like it just happens. Like it's true. You just have a night where the ball's just not going in the, in, into the hoop, and you, but your defense should be able to show up every night. And that's why it's so important. But I, I do expect Kentucky to be a better offensive team this year and a better defensive team t- last year. Cause one thing you can rely on Cal to have is to have a good, good defensive team, except Last year we struggled a bit in that, and sure I think did. it's just because we had guys that were really skilled but weren't necessarily the most athletic. Uh, Ty, Ty, Kellen, Davion loved them to death, but they were not huge athletes. That wasn't their their thing. They were extremely skilled players, uh, but they they some of them struggled to kind of uh, br- break uh, break the defense down. So when when the buckets weren't falling. Um, when the three wasn't falling, they could they couldn't get it done. But the great thing is Antonio Reeves can do both. He he can get to the hoop and he can shoot the three. And so we have pretty much what the same team, but we're we're switching out Ty Ty. We're switching out Kellen, right? So we got Antonio Reeves and and um and so I think it's going to be an exciting season.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, Shay, just to kind of underscore um, last year's defense. So the, the offensive rating from Ken Palm. Um, Kentucky finished the season number five on defense. They finished the season number 36 mm. um, and the year before they finished the season number 52 on defense. So um, Kentucky has stepped it up in the quality of defenders that they have. And I think that's what that's maybe the the top reason that I'm so high on this Kentucky team. That coupled with, I think, more and better three-point shooters. Like I think at any one uh, time on the court, Kentucky can have four of their positions that if their man is left open, they're going to take and should be able to hit a a three-pointer. But that combined with uh, a higher level of defense, I think means that some of these games that may be closer, um, yeah, it's probably easier to get a defensive stop than it is to be able to count on somebody to get a bucket. This Kentucky team can do both, and I think yeah. that gives us a greater
2: margin of error. And, and I think I feel personally that top to bottom, as a whole, the the SEC is a bit weaker this year. I think uh, so. Not counting Kentucky, uh, last year Arkansas was so good. Tennessee was way better than they are this year. Alabama was dangerous. They weren't necessarily good, but they were dangerous. Um, who else? Yeah. So like they were. There were some great teams in the SEC last year last year yeah and this year there still are arkansas it's still good but they're young they're not to
1: be yeah. to be determined
2: yeah yeah for sure and even the even the the, the lower level teams like bandy not as good as they were last year they don't have so those those danger games those trap games i guess will not be as many that this year uh so looking forward to that i think arkansas
1: is going to be pretty decent i think tennessee bringing back a lot of Older players are pretty solid. And then Kentucky. I think the rest of the SEC is not as tough as last year, for sure. Yeah, agreed. And let's talk about one other topic, Uganda. What is the likelihood of him playing this year? Do you think he's going to stay redshirted? What, what's your thoughts?
2: I, I think he's going to play. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take more of Lance Ware's minutes as the season goes on. Um, I think at this point, Lance Ware has happy with where like he's at Kentucky, um, probably making a bunch of money in the NIL. Knows what his you know ceiling is as a player. Knows his role. Just happy to be here. If he was gonna transfer, I feel like he would have done that already. I remember he was a guy that Kentucky brought in to keep that Camden relationship and and just you know a favor to 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 DJ. And and then we he's become a fan favorite just because of his attitude. Um, but Uganda can just do things that Lance can't do. Um, we don't have that much of a shot blocking presence with Oscar. Now, Oscar is a, a great um, defensive piece in in, in steals and, and other aspects, but like a straight up defender, he isn't that big and he's not that great at defense, um, which is going to be fun when, when drew Timmy plays Oscar, it's just going to be them cooking each other. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yep. both guys, really great on offense, not that great on defense. Um, one-on-one defense that is, but I think you got, is going to play. Um, he looks him and a do like they don't look like projects. Um, they do I not. Yeah. I don't expect you got to come out and just be like this force offensively. But if you watch him, uh, watch his high school highlights, he ran the floor really well. He's very yeah. coordinated. And um, he, 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 I heard an interview with him and he idolizes Giannis. Like Giannis is his guy and he yeah. wants to be a player like Giannis. Now, He's not that player, but I think he's going to work on his transition game, his, his dribbling. And, um, and so I, I think if we want to play fast, he's a perfect guy because he doesn't need shots. He'll just get boards, catch lobs and block shots. So I, I, I think he's going to play more than we expect. I would play him. There's no I, reason to venture I, him.
1: I, yeah. I would play him because his shot blocking presence is yeah. phenomenal.
0: Yeah. So I. I have a question because I, I kind of have maybe a, a different take on this. Okay, I, I come at it from the perspective of uh, yes, he does bring shop blocking, and that's fantastic. But do you actually need that on this team? Is how badly is his services needed? And to me, the the, the logical follow up question of that, and maybe the first question to ask, is how long is he going to be a cat? Like, how many years is he here? Great question. I'm concerned about that. I
1: think anyone that's close to seven feet who can be a rim protector and the fact that, you know, we need a rim protector and we always seem to have these injuries throughout the season. Mm-hmm. You know, if DC gets hurt or Oscar go down a game or two, I mean, having Ogana back there would be kind of, yeah. kind of nice.
2: Yeah. And, and the thing is like, uh, of course this has been repeated, but it's not a sharp situation. Um, I expect, to be him at UK at least uh, two years. Um, There is not a lot of film on him uh, because he showed up midway through the season last year for Putnam Science, which is Hamadou Diallo's former high school, by the way. Um, Hamadou Diallo, I think, played a role in getting Uganda to UK. Um, But he showed up halfway through the season and then immediately took over the starting role within a few weeks. They were like, oh man, this kid is good. There's not a lot of film on him. And then that that PSA team, Putnam Science, went undefeated. Last year with him. And then he reclassed. So I don't think there's enough film for NBA to to take him after this year. Um, We'll see what happens with Aaron and him next year. But I think there's a tentative three-year plan with him. But keep in mind, every single player that there's a year plan Kentucky ends up leaving earlier, like every I
1: single one. I know. <laughs> yep. The like, only film, the only film I saw was in Pikeville, yeah. Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, like,
2: like it's happening with Antonio Reeves. Like Antonio Reeves still has another year of eligibility after this year, and now people, the the, the I think the the coaches think that he's good enough to go. Shay, who led everybody to scoring in Pike? Yeah, yeah, Antonio Reeves. <laughs> MVP. I I, and the Bahamas. Yeah, MVP. I I. I, I Damn. i think he's a lot better than than people expected um the word on him is that he recently started taking basketball seriously
1: huh. i find that curious well, because, yeah. because what does my, that even
2: mean because yeah. my on. short my short wide ass be like but <laughs> <laughs> every day man. yeah <laughs> uh well apparently like in college like in high school he wasn't the most committed player he's from the chicago area he played for mac irvin chin knows him well um and the Kentucky staff knew that he was, he was, he had a high major talent. Uh, but when he got to Illinois state in college, he's like, okay, you know, I am a better player than this by his mm-hmm. sophomore year, he was filling it up and he's Kentucky material. And so he's definitely not. It's, it's like those mid-major guys that come to the high major level. It doesn't always translate like Kellen Grady, great player. I loved his game, but he was probably one of the best mid-major players of all time. And yes. when he came to Kentucky, he struggled with the the level of yeah. Athletic, speed. Though. Yeah, speed. He, nope. he struggled a lot. Yeah. And um, which is hilarious because he was like one of the most dominant mid-major players. Like he was just a bucket. And I don't think they were going to have that with Reeves. I think he Reeves is a, a score. Yeah. He, he's yeah. like
1: a three level score. Right. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So like, he, what, why did Reeves go to Illinois State to begin with? Because he just didn't have offers out of high school. It's probably
2: a girl. And, and I, think he grew, I think he grew. <laughs> he was like a six-two guard, and he grew uh, quite a bit. And so, um, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I cannot relate to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, God. All right. I think we've, like, covered Big Blue Madness. We've done recruiting. We've definitely talked about the Blue White Game. Michael pretty much gave us a master's degree in Ken Palm. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate that. It's been a great episode. So, guys, I'm going to close out the show. So if you want to find me on Twitter, and I hope you do, guys, out there, uh, Arizona, at Arizona T-Y-J-O is my Twitter handle. Share your stuff, guys.
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at A-Bobstar. That's a b h a v s a r. I go by Akshay, or I go by Shea, and I'm out here in uh, uh, now gloomy Southern California. Uh, The sunshine finally went away. Uh, but yeah, like really excited to hear from you guys and, and thank you guys for listening to the show.
0: Yeah, we love our listeners. Uh you can find me at MG Simmons 5280. That's at M G S I M M O N S 5280, because I am in the Mile High City, the city of the back to back NBA MVP uh joker, the city of uh a Broncos team that sucks ass. Uh but Jamal Murray <laughs> is healthy. And uh, I feel good about the Nuggets. We didn't get a chance to talk about my Nuggets tonight, but uh, my my Nuggets are going to go to the Western Conference Finals. Probably, Terry, to play against your Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns. Let's go.
1: Let's go, Nuggets and Suns, baby. Hey, as always, we appreciate your support. And until the next episode, you keep sipping bourbon and go Cats.